How much of this stuff have you got? Someone inquires. Oh, pages and pages. Maybe thousands of them. If it was published, it would be the greatest book on wine ever written. Another obsession is motorcycles. He has dreams of seeing one driven wildly up the stone stairs of a church bell tower, he says, crashing through the roof, down to the ground, just as the bell strikes the hour. He doesn't own a motorcycle, though, or even a driver's license, because he can't drive. A third obsession, the great obsession of his life, is music, specifically his music, which everyone agrees is like no one else's. Almost every song I write, he says, has a line... A line that's explicitly, specifically sexual. Oh, yes? Can he give an example? Like, I know you belong inside my aching heart. And can't you see my faded Levi's bursting apart? I'm very proud of that line. I call it the boner line. Or, surf's up, surf's up, surf's up, and so am I. A boner line. He smiles happily at the thought. No one at the table knows if he is married. Unlikely, as he seems to live alone, or has a girlfriend, or has ever had one. He certainly has no children. He's happy to admit that he's a weird guy. Maybe he's never had sex. Who knows? Who knows anything about him at all? Except his name. Jim Steinman. Jim invented Meatloaf. He created him in song. He tried to do it with others, but it worked best when it worked with meat. And when it did, Meatloaf was Jim... And Jim was Meatloaf. They existed together. Or not really, at all. Chapter 2 Poor Fat Marvin Dallas, Texas, the morning of Friday 22nd of November 1963. A sunny day in the Texan Darklands. Sixteen-year-old Marvin Aday and his pals Billy and Jimmy skipped school and drove down to the airport at Love Field to watch Air Force One the president's plane, come in. There were hundreds of others with the same idea. Jimmy's dad worked there, and he had tipped them off about the side gate that Kennedy would use to get into his car. Many years later, Marvin would remember a conversation with one of the cops who was standing around. What if someone had a gun? Well, the cop said, if somebody was going to shoot him, they wouldn't do it here in Dallas. At least, that's how he remembered it. It had been a crazy kind of day, after all. Marvin, Billy, and Jimmy were in Mickey Mantle's bowling alley just after lunch when the receptionist said, The president's been shot. They drove out to Parkland Hospital, because that was where all of the people who got badly hurt in Dallas were taken. The auto accident cases and gunshot victims. They'd sometimes hang around there when they had nothing else to do. It was like a free horror movie. As they got near the emergency room, a guy with a badge pulled them over and told them not to get out of the car. They saw the limousine arrive and watched wide-eyed as Jackie Kennedy got out, still dressed in the blood-spattered pink suit she'd been wearing all day. They saw Texas Governor John Connolly carried out. They sat in the parking lot for an hour or so, while guys with guns ran around. Soon there were so many rubberneckers, they figured it was safe to get out of the car. They wandered around through the crowds of police and senators and a group of women who were sitting on the ground, crying. The Secret Service guy came back and offered them money for gas, which seemed strange, but no stranger than everything else that was going on. When they got back to school, they were told off for missing football practice, but that night they saw themselves on the television news. 
Many years later, Marvin would read that there were no Secret Service agents in Dallas that day. What the hell? The whole thing had been weird. Lots of people in Dallas claimed to have known that Kennedy was going to be shot. The Warren Commission report turned out to be one of the stupidest things ever written, Marvin thought. There were some odd cases in Dealey Plaza. There was the guy holding an umbrella even though the sun was shining. There was the babushka lady in her headscarf. The three tramps they found hiding out in a boxcar nearby. There was a crazy story that one of them turned out to be Woody Harrelson's father. It wasn't. But that kind of summed up what the day had become, at least in Marvin's mind. Marvin's father, whose name was Orvis Wesley Aday, knew Jack Ruby, who shot Kennedy's supposed assassin, Lee Harvey Oswald, two days later at the Dallas police headquarters. Jack ran a few nightclubs and strip joints in town and entertained plenty of the local cops, who got free liquor and prostitutes for favours. Marvin's dad had been a cop, and he'd always tell Marvin that the police knew what Jack Ruby was going to do to Lee, which was how come he could get so close.